Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another episode of the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have Andrew Bartlow, the founder and managing partner at Series B Consulting. On the show, he's a thought leader in organizational effectiveness, which is one of my favorite topics. And he's also the co-author of Scaling for Success, People, Priorities for High Growth Organizations, which makes us high-level strategies and actionable takeaways, which is exactly what we do here at How We Solve. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Thanks so much, David. Really excited about it. And today, the problem that we're solving on the How We Solve podcast is how to build a recruiting organization, which you have done at scale and you've helped a lot of people doing this. So let's dive right into it. How do you do it? What are the steps to building your recruitment organization? This starts with, it depends. It depends what you're trying to solve for. So anybody that tries to give you an off-the-shelf solution is trying to sell something. It's a prepackaged product. That answer is going to be fairly different depending on the pace of growth and the type of need that you have. So you know, starting upstream, it starts with defining your needs. You know, have a Have a workforce plan. How many of what types of roles you need where, doing what. And then based on that answer, you can build the right sort of candidate generation engine, you know, whether that's in-house sourcers or you know, third-party executive search, lots of different solutions depending upon the type of need that you have. Yes, depending on the role. You know, for, for example, for us at LTP Plus, like two really different things we have to hire for. One is like executives that you know are in, in our organization, which is like a completely different process versus our bread and butter hiring support agents, you know, which is like, you know, very different skill set that we to fulfill. So given the fact that most people on, on this show, a lot of my friends always have a hard time hiring executives. So let's kind of stick with this element first. Sure. Yeah. So if you're at the stage, organizational maturity, where you're looking for department heads, you're looking for a VP of engineering and you know head of marketing, and you're probably at the 100, 100 plus employee count at that point, and you've exhausted your network. That's typically how a lot of the early hires come about. It's it's within the founders network and extended network. So if you don't have that network inside, you know what, what do you do? How do you find those people? You can hire a recruiter in-house. There's a break-even point on that. Typically, if you're hiring more than 20 people a year, it makes all the sense in the world to have an, have at least one in-house recruiter. But if it's a specialized role, like an executive position, you probably want to work with an organization or an individual that already has a great network. So if you're looking for a VP-level role, you're a department head, chances are it's time to find a good search firm. And, and a search in, specializes in that area. And in terms of price point, what do you think is like, you know, staying in tech, it's like most of the audiences, e-commerce tech, in-house recruiter, what do you think is a fair fair price? And then also on, on the recruitment company, what's like stomachable? Sure. Typical search fee will range from... 20% all the way to 35% of first year's target total cash compensation. So for $100,000 a year higher, you're looking at 25, 35, 40K. That's a lot of money. And so do the math on that. And very quickly, you're able to pay for a recruiter headcount. Here in the Bay Area of San Francisco, you're typically hiring engineers that are making mid hundreds, even the less experienced folks. And in part, that drives up the cost of uh, internal recruiting talent. So a decent recruiter out here will cost you 125, 150, maybe even more on an on an annual basis. That's for a full-time hire. The the folks that are working on a contract basis on an hourly rate can be two hundred dollars an hour plus. Wow. Um, four four yeah. grand a year. That's crazy. Yeah. It gets and, pretty expensive. And 
if you hire somebody, do you still have to do some some handholding, or should this person just be able to just run? Like I said, this price point, you don't have to give them tips and tools to succeed. Maybe for people who hire somebody who's who's less experienced, what do you what you know? What are the places where you hunt? Like you know, do you do cold outbound on on LinkedIn? Do you buy the LinkedIn recruiter thingy, or like what well, you know? How could you break this down? Like what what's the best process for this? Yeah. So let's separate the paths. If you're if you're dealing with executive search firm on a high priced, unique role, you're paying them their, you know, 30-ish percent of first year total cash. That's a pretty pretty good chunk of money. They should come with their own sourcing tools, their own sourcing methodology, their own network, and will be educating you and holding your hand and, uh, along yes. the way to help you select and make a decision. That's one of the benefits of a search firm. I was always like more of a scrappy bootstrap entrepreneur. I never hired a recruiting firm. I kind of always like to figure things out myself. So it would be awesome if you could give me some tips on like how can people figure it out themselves? Where are the watering holes? Where do you find the talent? Yeah, how to build your internal team. So yeah, yeah if, you, if you go hire a recruiter, you're going to be looking to that individual to fill a variety of different roles. And that means it's less likely that they're going to have a really great network with depth that's fresh in a variety of disciplines. You ask them to hire a marketing person today and an engineer tomorrow and then somebody in product. It's it's different pools and different different backgrounds. So those folks need more help and they're not going to be able to guide you as much as you'll be developing a process that needs to evolve over time as your company matures. So, you know, LinkedIn recruiter is is one of those, you know, table stakes sorts of tools that just about everybody would need if you're if you're hiring professional level roles. If you're looking for warehouse workers at Amazon, they're not always on LinkedIn. That's not the best place to look. But if you're in the technology space looking for professional workers, LinkedIn is an obvious tool and resource. And then you'll really want to maximize some of your basic employer branding resources like Glassdoor, fill out your employer profile on LinkedIn, fill out your employer profile on Indeed. Indeed is now the world's largest job site. Postings there are less expensive than a, than on LinkedIn today. I really like using that, not not because the UI is any better, or the cost is any less, just because the reach is is better. It's uh, you know one of those meta engines that can work for just about any world. Have you also experienced have experience like with hiring overseas? You know, for example, in the Philippines or Ukraine, etc. Like, what do you think are good places to do? Yeah, I, I, frankly, I have less uh, hands-on experience hiring directly overseas. That's been more about finding vendors for labor arbitrage, where mm. maybe there's a big call center that you're trying to build and you have it in Florida today and you can find highly qualified workers for half the price in, a, in another geography. I actually worked with an offshore recruiting team based in Costa Rica, uh, which worked great. I haven't uh, directly yes. hired people. Just to ask him, because we're hiring a lot of people overseas, you know, want, want to see if you can name me some you know tips and tricks over there but but let's say yes that that's totally cool any other like tips and tricks and tools that people can use i guess linkedin recruiter thing is it's kind of pricey right it's like a thousand dollars a month or something like this yeah yeah ballpark i mean different size organizations you can get different subscriptions and they're changing the pricing all the time and that's one of those basic you know tools that everybody would want to have and again make the most of some of your free employer branding work most candidates most professional candidates or even prospects will want to check you out before they put any time into considering your organization. Most organizations that I think we're talking to don't have a giant brand name where they have thousands of candidates that are banging down their door like Google or Salesforce or LinkedIn. A friend of mine hired a recruiter from, I don't know where she came from, like one of the really big companies. And she was like really in shock when she realized that she's not getting 2,000 applications a month without doing anything. 
to the brand because, like, you know, like she worked at this well-known company before and now she's like, oh, I actually have to hunt for those. Yeah, oh, yeah. A huge difference between a hunter and a gatherer. And if you have uh, active applicants that are coming your way, that's very different than needing to generate interest yourself. And so that's a different sort of recruiter role where you want to find somebody that's comfortable with the type of work that you have for them. One thing that we found that works well is that we have the hiring manager record a video that we add to the job description to kind of like walk, you know, if you see the person, hey, you're going to work with me. You know, I'm David. We do it for, I just did one for UpCoach. We're looking for a, a customer success person in the U.S. or U.S. time zone based and just like kind of walking them through the, the job description and telling them like, hey, what we're about, et cetera. So you can kind of get a feel for who, who they're working with to repel people who think like, oh God, I can't work with this crazy German versus, you know, <laughs> people you know, maybe it's like, okay, this sounds kind of cool what they're doing. So this has been working well. And do you have any other tools like that you use in the application process to kind of like filter out or attract the right people kind of like, you know, like to expose our mission, vision, values to people. So they're in line with us at, Mac, at Maxi. And we had like one of our core values was build cool shit was the first core value because we want to attract engineering talent and we want yeah. to repel people who have a hard time, you know, who want to come to work with a suit and a tie who feel odd that their employer used the word shit, even though it was like spelled kind of like, you know, with, with, with a hash and blah. You know, we want to repel these type of people because they were not a culture fit. Any tips on like finding... Like personality yeah, tests, like blah, kind of like, you know, Sure, anything. sure. Yeah, along those lines, it, it's, uh, you nailed it. Like, it's so important to differentiate yourself. How are you attracting and repelling the right people? Beautiful example that you, you provided around the language of your mission, vision, values. It's really hard for an organization without a big name brand, big employment brand to generate that interest. So you need to find the way that you're different and emphasize that. Let's put that into practice with an example around candidate outreach. If you have a recruiter that has a form email that's just pushing that same form, changing the name at the top of the form email with a, boy, you have a you know great background. We'd love to talk to you for our software engineering role. Those get very few responses. It's like junk mail. It's like mm. you know, people just delete it and ignore it. But if you have a more personalized out outreach in a way that creates a connection with that prospect, they're more likely to pay attention. That's really what you're competing for. It's attention and interest and you do that through differentiating yourself. And that means going out on a limb and taking some risks sometimes, like that uh, example of the language in your, in your culture. What one term that I would emphasize is WIFM, what's in it for me? If you can capture that in the candidate outreach and emphasize that at every step of contact with a candidate, you're more likely to create a connection with them where they'll pay attention. With Task Drive, which is one of my businesses, we do lead research for cold outreach and we also do a lot of cold outreach. And it's really important, like, how do you craft this message? If you come across like, hey, buy my stuff, like, you know, like, or pray and spray, you know, like the, the emails that you just mentioned, like 10 years ago, this worked, you know, but now like you get so much messages on LinkedIn, it has to be highly targeted. It can't be, right. you know, like, it can't be like, hey, let's jump on a call or whatever. It has to be like, ideally you even provide value to that person, you know, like, hey, I, what I'm doing right now is for, for up coaching, just like pitching out to people saying like, hey, I built this, which is a coaching platform you know, I reach out to him. It's like, hey, Andrew, we built app coach for business coaches like you. Can I send you a quick video that shows you how it works? You know, and yeah. I have like a really high, I have like a 48% positive response oh rate. Yeah. You know, and people, because it's, it's benign, you know, and it's, they see it's targeted because, you know, it's made for you. And it's, it's not long and I don't want any of their time. Just like, hey, watch this video. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's sounds interesting. I'll just check it out. And I have like really good 
results with this versus, you know, hey, let's jump on a call or like, hey, do you have blah, you know, like some, some long text, you know, or even if I, if in code outreach, if I read the word COVID just by glimpsing on it, I just delete it. It's like the first thing, you know, that's like so much. I think you have a really good point in terms of making it compelling in the outreach. In terms of personality tests, do you have anyone that you, ones that you like best or? Oh boy, personality test. That's the, that's the silver bullet where everybody's looking for, just give me the test that'll tell me whether this is a good hire or a bad hire. And bottom line is it doesn't exist. I'm certified on a thousand of them and I've seen 10,000 of them. And predictive index is a big push right now. And MBTI has a thing and you have colors and you have shapes and you have, you know, ink spots and there's a thousand ways to do it and bottom line is it really only works in giant multi-incumbent scaled environments so if you're a small high growth organization with fuzzy roles that are changing all the time you don't want to have some sort of personality test that tells you whether somebody's a good fit or not you need to have a way to have a conversation with them to learn a little bit more about what they want to do and how that matches up with what you need them to do and go from there you know, so, so it's much more of a subjective evaluation that the silver bullet bottom line does not exist. I want to challenge you. I'm going to send you one. A friend of mine, he also has a portfolio of businesses, but at a much bigger scale than, than me. And he has to like his, he basically only hires executives, like all, it's like kind of what, what he does yeah. for his businesses. And he found one's called Best Work Data. Have you heard about it? I haven't heard about that one in particular. No. It's like from, he's a professor from, what was it? Yale, I think, and he's been yeah working on some something that combines cognitive ability with personality stuff, and been very impressive. From I've never seen, and I got it from him. He, he went like you. He went through everything under the sun, like or you know like disk and MySpace and uh, whatever else there. And he thought they they all not really good. And he's super excited about this one. And we started using it as well. And I think it's pretty promising. So happy to. Yeah. If, you, if you want, yeah, I can, it can would, sh- share with you. It would be happy to see one of those. Yeah, I've uh, the in- intelligence test. That, I mean, the the five factor personality test, uh, the Hogan IQ. Frankly, is the has been proven to be the largest predictor of success in role generally. So that's a place to start. But it's an IQ test. It's not necessarily job performance, and that's where things get sticky. Is because your environment will be different than the environment down the street. And these sorts of tests, unless they're validated for the actual work environment, the job that you're doing at your company, it's really hard to, to make a direct connection to performance on the job. So there might be correlation, but uh, there's so much variation that my advice is is to have a good selection process without mm-hmm. using some sort of personality test. Cool. Yeah, I'm curious. I'll send you an email. Very curious to hear your feedback from since you, you have so much experience in this. Awesome. So we figured out what we need. I'm kind of like, we're kind of sticking to like getting the in-house recruiter in how do we arm this person that that they're set up for success? So we get the LinkedIn recruiter, we post ads on Indeed, we differentiate us in terms of our mission, vision, values, etc. We write good emails that are really targeted for not not praying to pray. What else can you can you think of to to make us or our future in-house recruiting folks successful? Yeah, I'd, I'd emphasize that with them both in the outreach as well as throughout the process. What's in it for me? So at every step that you're interacting with that candidate, with whatever interview rounds you, you may have, emphasize whether it's more pay than, than they would get or faster than they would get elsewhere or faster career progression or bigger impact or equity ownership in an organization that's you know scaling up quickly. So continuing to emphasize that with them and then designing your 
organization, the real opportunities, not just what you're selling, but what you ultimately provide to align with Mm -hmm. that makes it a lot more successful as you're selling, because that's recruiting. Recruiting is sales and marketing, you know, just in an employment context. Everything is sales and marketing. (laughs) Like convincing your wife, which movie to watch, which restaurant to go to or whatever, you know, it's always like somewhat of a a sales and marketing play. Following up on that question around, hey, what else else should you do? You know, the selection process is important. So we, we talked a little bit about personality instruments. And again, there's a bunch of stuff out there. And I've looked at a lot of it and I've used a lot of it. One of the challenges I've seen a lot of smaller companies deal with is a screen that's too dense or has too many steps or everybody in the world needs to talk to this person. And somehow that's viewed as necessary or a positive. So design your selection process in a logical, make sense way. You know, who's this person going to work for? Who are they going to interact with directly? Give those interviewers some guidance around what they should be looking for. Don't just leave them to their own devices. You know, a lot of this stuff sounds pretty intuitive, but it's the execution of it that is often not supported. You end up having a bunch of interviews without really a lot of focus to them around what you're trying to assess for, and everybody mm-hmm. you know, approaches it via gut feel. So that's what a good recruiter can do, not just source candidates for you, but help you build that selection process and stick to it. Again, what you said in the beginning is like always kind of like very custom tailored. Otherwise, if somebody wants to sell you something, do you have like any template examples on like how this process should look best? You know, some blueprint framework. For what a selection process could look like or a candidate funnel? Yeah. Yeah. An example of a candidate funnel might be you source 100 candidates and how many of those get to a recruiter screen which would often be the, the next step. And, and that would be a paper screen. So this person looks good based on their LinkedIn profile or their resume or CV or whatever you're able to get your hands on. That's your 100 candidate starting point. Then the recruiter has some sort of interaction with them where they figure out how many people to pass through. If you're passing everybody through, that's probably not an effective screen. If you're knocking out 90%, well, then you didn't do the paper review properly. Mm, So there should be some form of dropout. Then the recruiter passes those candidates on to the hiring manager. And the hiring manager should do the eyeball test on their CV or LinkedIn profile. And then the hiring manager themselves, after the recruiter, would typically be an important, relatively short, but direct conversation before you bring somebody in and have them meet with a whole panel full of folks, have the hiring manager basically give them their thumbs up or, or thumbs down. Only then do you go to the panel And I'd suggest you try to do one and done whenever possible. Bring in, if it has to be multiple people talking with that candidate in the same room or on the Mm -hmm. same Zoom call. Otherwise, you may lose steam and, you know, like kind of like forcing people to like 10 different meetings. I guess like something like that. Find another opportunity and they're out. Yeah, if you have a 14-step process (laughs) with people, you know, coming in to talk to you on 14 different days, candidates are going to fall out. You're going to burn a ton of time from people that need to be building your product and delivering your service. So. You want to have an efficient process with a funnel that makes sense, where a reasonable number of people are falling out at each step. Do you have a favorite HRIS software or whatever it's called that you can use for this report? If there's specific recruiting platforms, since we're not talking about HR, but more about... Yeah, do I, it's more about picking what's right for you at your stage and your scale. Greenhouse is you know, something that uh, I found is highly customizable in use at early stage organizations, as well as uh, even mid-market organizations. That works great. Greenhouse.com or uh, Greenhouse.io, applicant tracking, recruiting software? Yeah, greenhouse.io. That's one of the more popular tools out there. There's uh, many, many others. 
know, frankly, it's less about the technology and more about the process. Like the technology yeah. can reflect whatever it is that you want to set up. So having some of those common sense, but not always easy to execute steps figured out is more important than the fanciest technology. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like you're the killer app. You know, if, if you have like, if you're in crazy shape and you have a shitty mountain bike and I'm not in shape and I have the best mountain bike, you will always like, you know, whoop me on the trails. I like swipe hard. So kind of like getting ideas from like systems that I can, can steal somewhere and then kind of make them my own and, and tweak them. You don't have any templates on, on process templates or SOPs by any chance that you can share with your audience? Yeah. Well, there's a book I wrote that includes some really specific frameworks and diagrams around talent acquisition, what the candidate funnel looks like, when to go in-house versus when to you know, work with a vendor or a third-party search firm. The title of the book is Scaling for Success, People Priorities at High-Growth Organizations. It's uh, due to be released in, uh, in July by Columbia University Business School. Yeah, so this really focuses on high-growth organizations, could be from 25 people to 2,500. We try to give some very practical advice and, and mechanisms like you're talking about as to how you go about selection, how you go about building a recruiting team. Beautiful. I will, I will definitely get this for for me, my co-founder and, and our HR team. Are you bringing out the Audible version as well? Please, please, please. Oh boy, I hope so. I hope so. It's really up to the publisher. They get to call all those shots. You write it and then it's not yours anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was about to say, bring it back on, you, you'll read it to us. I consume a lot of, a ton of books, but I, I don't know, I'm just, I look at the screen for all, all day and, but Audible, I can listen to books on 2x the speed and I consume a lot of them. Yeah, I hope there'll be the Audible, Audible version of it. That's awesome. When, when is it release date again? It should be July, but you can already uh, go on to Amazon or Columbia Business Press and do the pre-order. Awesome. Yeah, guys, please do the pre-order. It's good for the rankings. Do Andrew a favor. I think it's going to be very value-packed based on the conversation that we've been having here. Awesome. Any other resources you want to recommend, you know, or cool tips and tricks that we haven't touched upon? Yeah, around recruiting and talent acquisition, you know, I just emphasize start with a plan. Start with needs identification. Far too often, I think people jump to execution before they really understand what they're trying to solve for. And then work with some people that have been there, done that, that can help you sort through the design. If you have an office manager that you're trying to turn into a recruiter, it's <laughs> probably going to be difficult for them to figure out what's going to work and what's not. And they may work really hard, but miss some, some big things. So let your recruiter help you build an effective process and the experience is necessary to do that. On that note, what kind of companies do you work with? Because I assume since you wrote the book and you have your company, what's your ideal customer? Like what kind of companies do you, are you excited to work with? Sure. Well, I've worked in-house as head of HR, head of talent acquisition for 20-something years at, at companies from Fortune 50 to less than 50 employees. Mm -hmm. Today, I'm primarily working with and advising companies that are private equity backed or, or venture backed as an advisor. So you know, I would work with the head of TA or the head of HR, or in some cases, a CEO and talk through some of these issues. Hey, we're trying to hire 50 engineers you know, tomorrow in London. How do we go about doing that? And so in, in that sort of advisory capacity, I can you know, potentially be useful at that broad range of really early stage to even later stage. Just giving a little bit of guidance can have a major effect yes. on a company's trajectory. Absolutely. Working with somebody who's been there, done that is, is so crazy valuable. You don't have to 
make all the mistakes that you know he would make as as somebody who's you know an expert or somebody who has has made every possible mistake on a very narrow field. You know, <laughs> so I kind of go to somebody who who's an expert in the field and can you know so you avoid the the pitfalls. The school of hard knocks, or, or as I yes. like to say, there's no better teacher than a hot stove. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Awesome, Andrew. This was really cool. Where can people find you? My primary website is seriesbconsulting.com, B as in boy. And through that, you can you know, learn a little bit more about my advisory services and book. And Series B Consulting is the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. And also go to Amazon and pre-order Scaling for Success, People, Priorities of High Growth Organizations. That's a mouthful. Yes. That's a mouthful. But I think it's going to be awesome. So I'll pre-order it after I'm after we're done with this. Love it. Awesome. Andrew, thank you very much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Yeah, likewise. This is a lot of fun. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.